Now, we just came through Hebrews. And Hebrews 6, let me give you the gist of it. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, let us, let us go on from the elementary doctrines of Christ. Uh, don't look up there, look up here. Let us go on through the elementary doctrines of Christ and let us move towards perfection or onto maturity, not laying again the basic doctrines of Christ, which is number one, repentance from dead works. Most human beings think without a knowledge of Christ that they can do good works and get to heaven. And we repent of that because there's nothing you can do to get you to heaven except believe in Jesus. So that's the first doctrine. The second doctrine in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 is faith towards God, believing that God provided a price. He gave us a righteousness through the sacrifice of Jesus. And then the third important doctrine of Christ from Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 is the doctrine of baptisms. And I'm going to talk to you today about the believer's baptism. The believer's baptism. Now, it's important that you understand that... Uh, Water baptism is a very big deal in the New Testament. And some people kind of shoot it down because they say, well, we're not saved by works, and water baptism is a work, so it's not really a big deal. That is false doctrine. We're not saved by water baptism. But if you're really saved, you're going to obey Jesus' first commandment and be baptized. And so it's important that you understand that in a race, how you end up really begins on a good, strong start, especially if you want to win. The same is true with education. If you, if you want to have a good education life, how many know a good start will help you? A lot of you were blessed and you had something called pre-K. Pastor never got pre-K. It was very hard for me. I got caught back behind in reading. It worked a good educational ethic in me that I eventually got my bachelor's and master's, but it was hard. I didn't have a good start. A good way to have a good business is to start off strong in business. A good start in business. Don't borrow too much money and get yourself too much in debt. And how many know what is true with the natural is true with the spiritual? If you want to do well in the Christian walk of faith, it's important that you start off strong. You start off strong. And that's what we're going to talk about today as we talk about the believer's baptism. And I'm going to give you some um, theology and how important it is that if you really want the blessings of the covenant, the blessings of the covenant of God, you've got to do your part and God will always do his part. But God never goes first. James 4, 6 says, Draw near unto God first, and then, God bless you, and he will draw near unto what? Who goes first? You go first. You go first. And everyone is waiting for God to go, and God says, just read my Bible. <laughs> it's a secret and how to get my blessings on your life. And so you need to do that. So we're going to look at a text. We're going to look at Acts chapter 8. And uh, Allie, we're going to start in verse 26, and we're going to read a story of this uh, Ethiopian, probably a black person from the country of Africa, who was baptized, and a really neat thing happened. So why don't you stand up with me, uh, and let's read this together. And 
You can read the even verses with me, and I'll read the odd verses so we can go by fast. We're going to go from 26 down to 40, okay? Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. I got it. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship. So he came to worship God, but he really didn't know Jesus Christ. Was returning, and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Good start. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Isn't this interesting? First an angel speaks to him, and then what? A spirit. Blessings of the covenant. So Philip ran to him. Wow. When the Spirit of God spoke to him, what did he do? He ran in his obedience. He ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah saying, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice, this is speaking of Jesus, was taken away. And who will declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? So the eunuch answered Philip, saying, I ask you, whom does this prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at the scripture, he preached what? Did he speak denominational to him? Did you give him a TED Talk? No TED Talk. Not at all. He, politics? Did he preach politics? What a terrible Caesar Rome had. What did he preach to him? Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, invisible. I want you to remember these two words today. Visible, invisible. Spiritual, physical. If you believe with all your heart, Philip couldn't tell if he believed with all his heart. Because no one can tell invisibly when someone believes on Christ. Unless they visibly do what? Get baptized. If you, invisible, believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they had come up out of the water, this is kind of neat, the Spirit of the Lord raptured, raptured Philip away. Have any of you ever been in Waterbury and the Lord raptured you down to Florida? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? 
He raptured, caught Philip away, moved him so that the eunuch saw him no more. Right before his eyes, he disappeared. And he went on his way rejoicing. And you thought only seances and ghosts and all those other people do it. It's right in the Bible. But Philip was found in Azotus. You had to look up how far that distance is. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. And what do you think he preached? He preached Jesus. Let's pray. Now you can go to the outline, Allie. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, this is your word. Help me to preach your word to your people. Let it go invisibly into our hearts and change our hearts and change our lives. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The believer's baptism. I want to talk to you about the importance of this baptism and that Philip knew exactly what you're supposed to do when you believe in Jesus Christ. There needs to be a visible sign. Something physically needs to happen so that God sees you're in covenant with him and that other people see that as well. Now, like I said, there are some people... Uh, they demean baptism. They say, oh, it's really not important to be baptized. I mean, remember the thief who was being crucified on the cross with Jesus, he made it into heaven and he wasn't baptized. Well, when you're being crucified, you give me a call and I'll absolve you, you know, from being baptized. But if you're not being crucified, I suggest you obey Jesus Christ and be baptized. Give me a verse, Pastor. Glad you asked. Mark 16, 15. This is Jesus before he sent it up to heaven. And he said to them, go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel to every creature, to every human. Here it is. He who believes invisibly and is baptized visible shall be what? And he who does not believe, I can't tell whether you believe or not unless I see something visible, shall be condemned. So how many are following me? Very important that you understand what I'm talking to you about. Now, Jesus was about to be taken away, and he wanted people to understand this. So I'm going to try to give you and break down. I pray that God will give me some proper words to teach you the importance of full salvation, or you may have heard called the full gospel. Now, do you realize that when God created you, he did not create you as a body. He created you a spirit being that possesses a soul, and God gave you a temporary body for the earth. How many know this body's not going to heaven? How many know this body can't even uh, make it to space unless it has help? This body is designed for the earth. But when we go to heaven, we're getting a new body. But you are a spirit being. So follow me. There's an invisible you, and then there's a visible you. There's a spiritual you that I can't see, and then there's a physical you. I can see Manny Roderick. I can see. And it's important you understand. So when you get saved, how many know God doesn't just save part of you? He saves what? The invisible and the visible. So you're with me? 
Very important you understand this. So there's, there's two of you. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, Adam's spirit, which is a direct link with God, he could commune with God only with his spirit. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, his spirit died. At that minute, you became no longer a triune being of a body, soul, and spirit. You became a dichotomy. You're a soul and you're a body. You are a soul and your body. What is a soul? Your mind, your will, and your what? Emotion. <laughs> you possess your mind and your will and your emotion. But you are dead to God because of your sin. For the wages of sin is, but the gift of God through Jesus Christ, or to the, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you're with me. Without Jesus Christ, you are a two-part being. You're invisible soul. I cannot see your soul. And then you're a visible body. Now, let's try to grasp this so that as we go on, we can understand. Now, Jesus said this. He says, when you believe, no one sees that you believe in me as the Son of God. So you've got to do something. You've got to do something. And he said this in John 14, 21. This is Jesus speaking. He who has my commands and what? Keeps them, obeys them. It is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. You know what it is when God manifests himself to you? It's a part of the blessings of the covenant. I mean, how many would like to have an angel talk to you? How many of you like to be raptured away to another part? How many of you like the Spirit of God? This is what happened to Philip. This is exactly what happened. And Jesus said, now if you say you believe in me and you say, but I'm not going to be water baptized, the first thing after you say you believe in me is you disobey water baptism. How many know that's not a good thing? Because the sign of the new covenant, the New Testament, is water baptism. It's water baptism. Now, in the Old Covenant, they had a sign as well, and uh, we'll get to that in a second. But Jesus said, listen, if you want love, if you want uh, the Spirit's joy and peace, if you don't want to be a victim but want to be a victor, if you don't want to be defeated but you want to be more than a conqueror, if you don't want to just pray but you want prayers answered, you got to get in the New Covenant. And the New Covenant involves you doing your part. And part of you doing your part is water baptism. And it is very important to God that you do your part. Jesus said in Luke uh, 6, 46, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do the things I ask you to do? He was speaking to the Jews. Oh, you know what Lord means? Lord means master. So you say, oh, Jesus, you're my master, but I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to do this. And he says, don't call me master. If you really are one of mine and I'm your Lord, you will physically do with your physical body what I ask you to do. And I'm going to know that Jesus' burden, Jesus' yoke is not heavy. It's, it's light. It's light. So Jesus himself also identified with water baptism. I know he was baptized in water. And he did that to identify with us. And when you are baptized in water, 
you identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Michael Rodriguez today says, I believe in the Son of God that he died, was buried for three days, not three minutes, not 30 minutes, all right? Three days, and that God rose him from the dead. This is important theology because you cannot be saved unless you believe Jesus rose from the dead. You have to believe that. And so what you do, when I get water baptized, I'm saying, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. My life, my physical body is shining light to the fact that Jesus died for my sins. And he rose again so that one day I will have a new body in heaven and I will, I will be with him. And when I refuse to be water baptized, I say, I will not give light to God sending his son in suffering. I refuse to tell people that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. So that's what refusal of baptism does, and that's what acceptance. You with me? Very important we understand this. Now, in the Old Testament, the sign of being in the covenant with God was not water baptism. Does anyone know what the sign was in the Old Testament of being in covenant with the blessings of God? Circumcision. Someone said it. Circumcision. And circumcision is something that has to do with a male. And circumcision is physical, just like water baptism is what? Physical for the what? Physical body. Because God, when he looks on you and he wants to bless you, he's looking for the blessing. Now, I'm going to quickly read you the old blessings in the Old Testament. Just going to quickly read that when you obey God, God promises if you do your part, I'll do my part. And just, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read quickly in Deuteronomy 28, the blessings of those who have the sign of the covenant. You with me? I'm going to read it fast. Now it shall come to pass if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all of his commandments, which I have commanded you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Ready? Blessed you shall be in the city. Blessed you shall be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Blessed shall be the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the increase of your offspring of the flocks. Blessed shall be your basket. Blessed shall be your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be when you come in. Blessed you shall be when you go out. The Lord will cause you, your enemies, to rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come against you one way. They shall flee seven ways. Deuteronomy 28.8. The Lord will command blessing on you in your storehouses. In all which you set your hand to, he will bless you at work. He will bless you at home. He will bless your car. He will bless your uh, lawnmower. He will bless everything. He will bless you in the land which the Lord has given you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn, if you keep his commandments. Now, how many know that's a pretty good deal? God says, you do your part, and I'm going to bless your socks off. I'm just going to bless you. We just, you know, got another blessing, another Rinaldi. 
Blessed fruit of the womb. That's part of the blessing of God. But in the Old Testament, to be a part of the blessings of God, you had to be in covenant. And the sign of the covenant of the Old Testament was circumcision. Now let me tell you, this is important because who is the father of the faith? Abraham. And God came to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I want to bless you, but listen, you have to be circumcised. Now, circumcision for a 90-year-old man would be very painful. And he says, Abraham, let me give you the scripture. You shall be circumcised in the what? Something that is physical that you can see. You with me? The flesh of your foreskin and it shall be what? Sign. It's a sign of the covenant between what? Everyone wants the blessings of the covenant without the sign of the covenant. Everyone wants the blessings of God without obeying God. It doesn't work. Some people think God is deaf, dumb, and crazy. He's not. He just says, you do your part, I will do my part. Very important. Now, there was another guy by the name of Moses. How many remember Moses? And Moses had an amazing encounter with the angel of God, and he saw this snake turn into a rod and a rod and a snake, and he put his hand in his breast, and he pulled it out, and it was leprous, put it back in there, pulled it out, it was flesh. He took some water, he poured it on the ground, it turned to blood. He had some sign miracles working in his life. And this was happening before he became circumcised. So God said to him, Moses, before I send you to Egypt, you need to have the sign of the covenant on your body, physical. You have to have it, or I will not do for you what I promised to do. Well, it would seem that Moses and the little lady, his wife, got in a little bit of fight over how far to obey God. So let's read the story, and you tell me who you think won. And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. Then Moses took his wife and his sons, he had two sons, and they set out on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. That's what turned into a snake. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all the wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand with the rod. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn. So I say to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. But if he refuses to let him go, indeed I will kill your son, your firstborn. Now, let's read this. And it came to pass on the way to Egypt at the encampment, that the Lord met Moses and sought to what? Oh, God was a little ticked. Why do you think God was ticked enough to kill the deliverer? Sought to kill him. Then Zipporah, his wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskins of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a blood of husband to me. 
You sense a little tension there? <laughs> then he, God, let Moses go. And then she said, you are a husband of blood because of, which was the sign of the, Moses was told by God to circumcise his sons. And the little honey didn't want to do it. And so he wimped out. He should have said, I don't care if it ends the marriage. I would have, rather have you mad at me than the Lord kill me. But oh no, Moses was a little more afraid of the, the, the little lady than he was of God. And it almost cost him his what? Do you think when God says there needs to be a sign of the covenant that he is serious about it? Now, how many of you think he's less serious in the new covenant than he is in the old covenant? The new covenant, the sign, represents what Jesus Christ did. And I think we shouldn't play around with that. We need to take it serious. So let's get into this and we'll try to wrap it up here. Number one, it takes water to, be bat to baptize someone, all right? Pretty basic. Why does it take water? Because there's two of you. There's the spiritual you, your soul, and then there's the physical you, your body. And on the body, you need something physical, water. And so the Bible says, talking about going back to Acts with the eunuch from uh, Ethiopia. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Seer, here's some water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip preached to him, you must believe and be baptized. Believing is the invisible thing. I can't tell you believe. I don't know what's in your heart. It's invisible. But I know what's in your heart if you follow through and are baptized. How many heard the scripture? Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. I had a friend come to me. You want to know what's in someone's mouth and their heart? Go up and slap them on the back. We'll find out. <laughs> It'll come out of that. that. That heart will come right out of their mouth pretty quick. Well, I can't see the invisible you. But I can see obedience. That's the first thing. The second thing about baptism is the person is to be baptized if they... Can you see when someone believes? What if they come up here and say sinner's prayer? Does that prove anything? What if they cry? Does that prove anything? Can you really see when God saves someone? You may think you can, but the proof is in the pudding. The person is to be baptized if they believe, invisible, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That means that he died and uh, that he rose from the dead. It was buried three days and that he rose from the dead. So let's look at the next scripture. Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. You may be baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the what? Son of God. Very important. Now, Jesus said this. Let me say it again. He who believes and is shall be saved. Believe, invisible. Baptize, visible. Believe, spiritual. Can't see it. Baptize, physical. I can see that. I can see that. And how many know that when you get baptized, you're giving a confession, you're giving a testimony of what Jesus Christ. Now, 
Let me, let me go through and try to explain this. Jesus uh, spoke through the Apostle Paul in Romans. In Romans 10, verse 9, it says, what does it say? The word is near you. The word of God is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. It's in your mouth, physical, in your heart, spiritual. It's in your mouth, visible. It's in your heart, invisible. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with a heart man believes in the righteousness, invisible, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What does it say? As it is written, he who believes shall not be put to shame. Are you following me? One's invisible, one's visible. You got to follow with me. Um, He who believes shall not be put to shame. How do you shame someone? With your mouth. With your mouth. Let's go through this. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples. It's, they got to believe. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the what? End of the age. Now listen. Don't let me lose you here. You need invisible water for your invisible side, invisible water for your body. You need invisible spirit for your soul, and you need physical spirit for your body. I'm giving you apostolic doctrine, the doctrine of the apostles. Most people don't believe in apostles anymore. That's why we have such a weak church. We don't have apostles' doctrine anymore. But you need to listen to me so you can follow. Salvation is for your body, soul, and spirit. When I came to Jesus Christ, When I came, I was six years old when I accepted Jesus in my Sunday school class, Sister Cora Clark. I was the only one in the class. Teachers, don't ever get frustrated if you only have one in your class. And she went through and she, she taught about Jesus. And at the end, she said, would you like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I said, sure, a childlike faith. Now, when she was talking to me, I was a two part being. I was a body and a soul because my spirit was what? dead. My spirit is dead. It died in sin. So she said, well, let's pray this prayer and let's ask Jesus into our heart. So when we prayed that prayer, at that minute, the spirit of God came into my heart and my spirit was born again. Why did it need to be born again? Because it was dead because of sin. So when I asked Christ to come in my heart, I became a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. Titus 3, 5, and 6, follow me. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, we're not saved by works, but according to his mercy, he saved me. By the washing of regeneration on my soul and by the renewing of the spirit in my spirit. When someone preaches the word of God or gives a testimony with the word of God, it's invisible water. It's invisible water. Right now, I am preaching the word and I'm giving you invisible water. It's invisible water. It's regenerating your soul. Let me give you another scripture. Ephesians 5, 25, 26. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her. How? Invisible water for the invisible soul comes from what? The word. You with me? So... 
I'm preaching to you, and there's an invisible shower going out today on your soul. And before you receive Christ, someone is testifying or preaching, and that water is doing something to the soul. The soul is the mind, will, and emotion to you. say, with your will, I want to receive Jesus Christ. And when you say that with your soul, at that minute, the Spirit of God comes in, and he rebirths your spirit, and you are called born again. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to mercy did he save us, Titus 3, 5, and 6, by the washing of the water, washing of regeneration for the soul, and the renewal of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in and he resurrects my spirit. It's invisible. You can't see it. It's invisible water, invisible spirit. You can't see when someone is born again. You can't see the invisible spirit come in their invisible side. And you don't know what the word of God is doing when someone's preaching it. You don't know if they're thinking of the next baseball game or the basketball game or the roast or if they're receiving it. You don't know. But you do know when you see fruit. Jesus said in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit will remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will answer it. Blessing of the covenant, blessing of the covenant. He doesn't want, does he want invisible fruit from you? How many have ever seen invisible fruit on a, on a tree? He wants visible fruit, physical fruit. So how many with me? Invisible water for the invisible you, your soul. Visible water for the physical you. Because you need all of you to get saved. And then invisible you for your soul. When you choose Christ, there's an invisible spirit that comes in and he births. And you say, what is the physical spirit? Does anyone know what the physical spirit is? Invisible water, visible water. Invisible spirit, physical spirit. What is, what is the visible spirit? The baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We believe in that. When... I was saved at age six. I was water baptized at age nine. At age 14, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. It's a gift of tongues. It's physical spirit for my physical body because apostolic doctrine, invisible spirit, invisible water for the invisible you. Physical spirit, tongues, visible water. For the, how many are following me? When you got that, you got the blessings. You get your prayers answered. You may have an angel show up. You will hear the voice of spirit. You will have joy unspeakable. You can have victory. You will have deliverance. You can have healing. You can have miracles. You can have job promotions. Your womb can be blessed. Your food can be blessed. Your house can be blessed. Your car can be blessed. It can last six years longer than those that don't. Those are the blessings, but you've got to have the sign of the covenant. And the sign of the covenant is visible water, visible spirit. How many are with me? You, very important you get this. People, oh, why do you got to speak in tongues? It's physical spirit for the physical body. You can reject it all you want, but don't expect all the blessings. Don't expect the blessings. The Bible says in James, the tongue is evil and full of deadly poison. You want to know why the Holy Ghost wants your tongue? Because it's evil 
and full of deadly poison. And when you're speaking in other tongues, you can't be cursing people. It can't be full of evil. It can only do one thing. He who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries to God. He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. It's very important you understand that. So today, I'm invisible spirit. When you choose Christ, he rebirths your spirit and you're born again. Invisible water comes from the word of God. I'm preaching the word of God. Michael gave his testimony. When you tell someone, use the word of God in your testimony. It's not your testimony that changes them. It's the word of God with your testimony. But I'm not just a soul. I'm a body. And this body, if I give it to prostitutes and pornography and lies and unforgiveness and bitterness, even though I've received Christ, this body can drag me to where? Hell. So you better get this body under. Don't say, oh, I just need invisible water and invisible spirit. No, you better get some spirit and you better get some water on this thing and crucify it with Jesus Christ. You with me? No one wants the crucified life, but the crucified life is the blessed life. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. But you can't see faith, but you see the fruit of it. You've got to understand this, this, this invisible, visible, physical, spiritual. Let's go to the last one. We'll wrap it up. Baptism is an act of immersing someone what? Is it sprinkling? Did Jesus get sprinkled? Did the Ethiopian get sprinkled? Did anyone get sprinkled in the Bible? Well, where did sprinkling come from? Well, about 300 A.D., the church decided that they wanted the parents to stop coming to church because it's typical that when people get married and they have children, they can't handle the stress of bringing their kids to church, so they stop coming to church until the kids are old enough. And then when the kids are older, they bring them to church, but it's too late. You're supposed to raise them in church. And so they started this thing called infant baptism where they would sprinkle them, which was a covenant not between the baby and God. It was a covenant between the church and the parents that they would bring their children to church. Is it wrong? No, it's not wrong. Is it evil? No, it's not evil. There's nothing wrong with it. But it's not baptism in water. It's totally different. Very important. Here it says, So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he was baptized. Very important that we understand that. You go down in the water and was baptized. Michael, I put him down. Held him there for a half a second just to make sure. All right. He said, you, you, it's very important you get that. You go down. Get that whole body, that physical thing. Get it soaking wet. And Jesus did the same thing. It says in Mark 1.9 that John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And it says, and straightway after, he came up out of the water. What does logic tell us? If Jesus came up out of the water, he first went down in the water. And what happened to Jesus Christ after he came up out of the water? The Holy Spirit physically came down like a dove. And everybody with their physical, and it came down upon you with me? 
Visible water, visible spirit. Very important for the Christian life and that we understand that. Now, Michael came up here today because he had faith. It takes faith to do it. And if you say, I, I, I can't get up there and give my testimony, well, you're not ready. It's all right. Pray that God will give you boldness and get you ready. But you'll be ready. You'll be ready. Don't sell yourself short with Christianity and think that you only need just the minimum to get heaven. Christianity is not a drive-through. Drive-through McDonald's, you know, Burger King. It's not a drive-through. You need invisible water for your soul, invisible spirit to rebirth your dead spirit. Then you need physical water to bring this body of sin under the submission of Christ. And then you need physical spirit to be empowered. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Acts 1.8. Here's one for uh, 1 Corinthians talking about the Jews, the Israelites that came out of Egypt. Paul writing to the Corinthians, he says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud. What did the cloud in the Old Testament represent? Anyone know? Spirit. Spirit. They're under the cloud, all passed through the sea. What sea did they get delivered out of Egypt? The red. The red. All were what? All three and a half million Hebrews were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Visible cloud. Could they see the cloud over the camp? And did they see the water when God divided through Moses? Visible water, visible spirit. Powerful, isn't it? And the blessings of God. People say, oh, God, don't answer my prayer. God, don't help me with this. God, don't help me. Well, have you been baptized? Well, no, I didn't think that was important. It's the sign of the covenant that God says, if you do this, I will bless your socks off. But if you don't, you can do what Moses did. Oh, my wife won't let me. Oh, my dog was sick. My child lost their homework. Whatever. You can come with all the excuses you want. But if you want the blessings of God, you have to have the sign of the covenant on you. I was nine years old. Nine years old. My dad baptized me. And uh, New York Mills, New York. I was baptized in the church where Charles Finney went in, he went into a factory and people began to weep and three quarters of the factory got saved and the next year they took the profits from the factory and they built a church right beside it. I was, that's where I got saved and everything else and baptized. Really interesting. But I wasn't sprinkled. You, 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 can't, you don't want a sprinkling of Jesus. You want all of Jesus. You don't want a sprinkling of the covenant. You want all. I close with this story. Then I'm going to call Michael up. We're going to pray for him. Uh, my grandfather, Reg Height, uh, one of the blessings in my life where I've had the faith of my grandfather come down through my father and to me. And he, he was a very funny guy. And he loved sweets and he loved peanut butter. That's why I love sweets and I love peanut butter. But when he was in his 80s, he got diabetes, and they kept trying to tell him, lay off the sweets, lay off the pee. He couldn't do it. So one time he was in the hospital for a procedure, 
and his, uh, his youngest girl, my Aunt Ruthann, was there. And my aunt said to the nurse, talk to him how serious diabetes is and how he can't just keep eating sugar. And, and um, so she started talking to my grandpa, Reg, and my grandpa said, oh, come on now. Come on now. It's just a touch of sugar. And the nurse said, a touch of sugar is like being a touch pregnant, Reg. You either got it or you don't. It's not a touch of baptism. It's not a touch of following. It's not a touch of God. It's all. It's all of me. I am invisible, my soul and my spirit. You can't see me. If I rip my soul and spirit out of me, I would look like my body because my soul and my spirit bleeds through this body. That's why in heaven we will be known even as we are known. We'll get a new body. I'll look like this. Probably have a lot more hair, but... I'll look like this, and you will look like that. And it'll be full salvation. My spirit is born again. It's saved. My soul is being born again. My body can drag me to hell. It's not born again. But one day, it'll get a new body. And until that happens, I'm going to keep it walking in the light as he is in the light, that the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse me from all sin. And I can have fellowship with one another. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads. As I'm praying, uh, Michael Rodriguez, would you come down? And Pina, uh, Pastor Roger and his wife Pina and my wife, would you guys come down? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for the celebration of joy in your house today. I pray, Lord, that Mike's example today of going public with his faith will just stir people to want all that you have for them, God. We don't have to wait to heaven to experience heaven. We can have heaven on earth right now through the blessings of the New Testament covenant of walking, Lord God, according to obedience. And Lord, like I said, your yoke is easy, your burden is light. We thank you, Lord, for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching from the Word of God. My name is Paul Height. I'm the pastor of Evangelical Christian Church, located at 1325 Watertown Ave in Waterbury, Connecticut. We would love to have you join us and worship Jesus Christ this coming Sunday at 1030. Now may God bless you. And may he continue to cause you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ.